people don't dance no more because they're scary. They punk. They sissified. Talk about they it. They all day and don't know how to act around. They lazy. If you ever see me in a club, I promise to God I'll never steal. I dance in the face of gangsters. Before they get in your Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. And so listen, I'm talking players. I'm talking coaches. I'm talking all of it when it comes to tennis, golf, basketball. Coco Golf right now is killing it at the U.S. Open. But there's some conversations around, is her coach getting too much credit? I'm going to get into that myself a little bit later. And then we also, speaking of coaches, we have the coaches of our ATL Hype Squad, which is our dance team for the Atlanta Dream star-studded coaches you're gonna find out all about them coming up next we got cc kelly victor jackson keith wilder jr yes that name sounds familiar if you're wondering and then the crew and i get into hip-hop all 50 years of it let's go y'all know with me the WNBA is pretty much my world basketball all of that but there's also tennis going on there's other sports than basketball shocker i know yes okay but tennis we have the u.s open going on and I just want to talk about Coco because there was a lot of different things going on with Coco Golf, and, and she is the young star that has been, you know what, they say kicking butt and taking names. I'm going to just say it like that. So I want to talk about Coco because I love what she's doing, and also I see what's going on. Tell me if you've heard this before. A tennis player feels like they aren't being treated fairly, and that tennis player just so happens to be a Black woman. Now, the only reason I say that is because we know it's been just – written about it's been talked about it has been noted all the struggles that the Williams sisters Serena and Venus went through when it came to tennis we know tennis is a certain kind of sport so now we have the young phenom Coco coming up and we saw she got into a little argument I don't know do they call them refs it might be umpires in tennis but she got into an argument and basically the argument was that she was playing against a player that was older than her and the, the player that's older than her kept on taking breaks now, that might seem like not a big deal, but for somebody, if your advantage is the fact that you're younger and that you can play fast and, and strong and, and quick, and then you're playing against an opponent that keeps on slowing down the game, it's not illegal is what I've heard and read in the things. It's not illegal, but they say it's not good sportsmanship. So knowing that everybody kind of understands that this is not necessarily good sportsmanship, Coco goes to the referee and basically is like, girl, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. Do better. So that's one. And speaking of these players, when she basically goes to the ref, these tennis players, I know they tired because tennis players will finish a match or start a match at 11 and then have another match the next day starting at 1 p.m. They may finish their singles match on today and then tomorrow have a doubles match. You know, Coco was talking about that. There's players, you know, with tennis talking about the scheduling is tough and all these different things are brutal. So I'm always saying keep that in mind because they are outside in the elements. That's another thing. When I talk about basketball is our sport, I'm used to, I've been in hot gyms, you know, AAU days. I've been in all of the just harshest environments, but that's not a normal environment per se. You know, now when I play or you go to a pro game, you're not going to expect whatever outside temperature determined the game. It's supposed to be cold in there. It's supposed to be nice, temp controlled. So these players are out there. I only say that because it's hot where they're playing, 90 plus degrees. They're playing every day, long hours, body's tired. And Coco is just handling herself, baby. I mean, look at her press conferences. You guys got to check her out. Look at her press conferences and all the media surrounding her. And speaking of the media surrounding her, that's another thing I wanted to get to. So there's a tweet from John Wortham that says the email from a well-regarded tennis voice. And I'm basically going to paraphrase here, guys, but he's basically saying that after Coco's wins, there's been a lot of credit given to her coach, Brad Gilbert. And her coach is a very well-known coach. Her coach is a very well-respected coach, all the things. But some people are saying that they're giving her coach a little too much credit that Coco's on the court doing her thing. And then some people are saying rightfully so, because, you know, she's won a couple of tournaments with him. She's reached the semis, which she's never done before. So there's this large conversation. And I wanted to talk about that. 
coaches and players and that relationship because we're seeing it now where there's some coaches that are coaching in football where a lot of people are saying that they're struggling because they don't have the necessary like talent. They had a generational quarterback and now that they don't have a generational quarterback anymore, they can't even figure out how to win. But a lot of times people say that a good coach, you're not going to win a championship, but you are going to figure out a way to win some games. And I'll even give you an example of like just a right now example for WBA people. Look at what the Minnesota Lynx did. You know, they started the season out 0 and 6. A lot of people considered them almost seeing if they were going to tank, not not knowing what was going to happen. And then with that same group that people thought was a tankable group, they've secured a playoff spot. They're probably going to be the number five team, number six team in the playoffs. That's not just coaching. That's players as well. But you can clearly see that there is some good coaching going on there. That's okay. But at the same time, Nafisha Collier, who is a player that plays for the Minnesota Lynx, she is having a first team, all first team type of year. You know, like she's an all-star, of course, but I'm saying she's having that type of year. The reason I use those two parallels is because while we're talking about fee, yeah, we don't need to mention Coach Reed because them buckets that fee is getting and all this and that, that's all well and good. But I also understand that tennis is not a team sport. So when we're talking about the Minnesota Lynx, of course, I'm going to mention led by head coach, Coach Reeve and all of this and that. So I do feel like tennis has a different dynamic. So I'm just going to wrap it up by saying that I understand and love the fact that, first of all, Coco is 19, you guys. I forgot to mention that. She is 19 years old on one of the biggest stages at the U.S. Open, playing almost daily and doing well. So first of all, shouts to her. But when it comes to players and the media and players and coaches and all this in the media, because again, I'm on a tangent, y'all. This is this is like I'm giving y'all all my full thoughts because I don't know if people, well, I know people have probably seen that Russell Wilson's coach pretty much told him like, yo, listen, you want to salvage your career. You need to stop worrying about Russell Inc. and worry about this team right here. You need to stop trying to be the man of the people and worry about football. And it's so interesting because the relationship between a coach and a player, there's so many different dynamics. For instance, this is an outspoken coach speaking out against his quarterback. He like, I don't care. Some coaches would never do that. But coaches matter. Players matter. And in the game of sports, look, I'm always going to have a player's perspective, but I always have respect for the coaches that I play for. I play for some legendary coaches. Coach Ariema. I play for Coach Cheryl Reeve. Like, these are great coaches that will probably end up in the Hall of Fame because if they don't, what are y'all doing? I play for Hall of Fame coaches. And so I do give them credit. But I also know that you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. Okay? So I know I put in that work. So I think that there's just a balance that you have to find as media, as a player, and as a coach of, you know, like, what's you, what's them, and what's us. And I think that you need all of those. You can't be successful if a player isn't putting in that work. You can't be successful if you don't have a good coach that knows their stuff. And you can't be successful if those two don't work together. So I think, long story short, Coco needs her coach the way that her coach needs Coco. And I think they're doing well together. And speaking of coaches and player relationships, the choreographer is basically the coach of a dancer. And so with the Atlanta Dream, we wanted to revamp our whole ATL hype squad. So we went out and we got all new choreographers. And these people are not just any choreographers. They all have a story. They all have been been there, done that, danced with probably your favorite artist. But I'm going to let you hear it from them. And we're going to start with the lady in the group, Miss Cece Kelly. What are you doing with the dream this year? Yes, I'm so excited to join the choreography team for the Atlanta Dream. And we've already had a few rehearsals and they are so amazing. It's going to be a beautiful show and an awesome season. I love that. And so tell me a little bit because you've worked with some names, okay? Because <laughs> I want people to know like everything that we're trying to do with the dream, we're trying to elevate not just on the court, but we're elevating all around the game, yes. off the court. You're a part of that. So what, like, what's your past? I want people to know yeah. what we just did. Like, who is C.C. <laughs> Kelly? 
Well, I'm from Atlanta. Come on. So man. that's the first thing. Come I always on, get man. that right. I'm from Atlanta. Southwest Atlanta made. Um, I love it. I love it. So being a part of this team is like really, really exciting. Bringing it all home. But I've had the wonderful opportunity to dance for Beyonce, choreograph for Tony Braxton, all over the world. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful career. And now I'm able to bring that back to aspiring artists as a professor at Spelman College. On, so it's just awesome. And then to be able to do amazing opportunities like this is just really exciting. I love really that. Really exciting. LeBron left Cleveland, went to Miami to learn mm -hmm. how to win at the highest level. You've seen working with Beyonce at yeah. the highest level. So like what things did you take from experiences like that? For sure, for sure. Work ethic. Work ethic is extremely important. Um, knowing how to pace yourself when you have your off time versus your on time when you're on that stage. Um, taking care of your body, super, super important. You sound like an athlete, like, what's up, man? <laughs> Dancers are athletes. Come yes, on, yes, yes. But you know, the mental and the physical aspect, really, really taking care of this vessel because this is what's making our livelihood. Um, networking, having great, great energy, and you know, surrounding yourself with people that you aspire to be like. Um, really, really important. And I learned a lot of that working with all of these wonderful artists and really keeping your integrity, you know, a number one priority. So it's just been awesome. So to again, to bring that back and work with these youth and then of course work with the team, it's just- You doing some things, Cece. <laughs> Dancers are athletes too. Yes. I appreciate you, man. Welcome yes. to the dream and for thank sure. you for joining me. Thank you, thank you, Lit. thank you. <laughs> Lit. the break we have Victor Jackson who I'm telling you guys when he was in his interview we asked him why did he think that he should be the choreographer or be a part of the dream family and he basically his answer was crazy he was like I just feel like it's my time I just feel like it's the right time I've been leading up to this moment and it's brought me here it was inspirational long story short he got the job it's Victor Jackson Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Victor Jackson in the you know, building. And so up? listen, you guys know we're all about elevating you're a part of our elevation of the dream, Victor, because you're coming on as one of our choreographers. And I like for people, this is where I'm going to like flex on them. Don't even be shy because I want people to know what kind of level of talent we're getting. So, yeah. Victor, tell us a little bit about Victor. Well, I've been working in entertainment for 20 years now. I'm the founder and creative director of Glamrock Soul Entertainment Group. It's a boutique creative services firm, and we are happy to be partnering with the Atlanta Dream this season, um, to be working with you all, doing choreography. I've been doing this for 20 years and now. And who you been doing? I mean, because, I mean, I'm just let's saying. Let's say, let's say, <laughs> let's say, let's say, we could say Candy Birds, we can say Lil Wayne, we could say August Alcina, Iggy Azalea, the fancy video. Have okay. you seen the fancy oh, video? So, um, I might have choreographed that. You, okay. uh, you know, taught in New Zealand, taught in Germany, nice. taught across the country, and happy to be bringing my talents here back Man. home. My parents live 
seven minutes away. Come so on. like, I'm in the hood. I'm ready. This is what I love. And yeah. so, I mean, you've been all over the world. It's kind of interesting because athletes, we do the same thing. I right. played overseas for 10 years. Like, what kind of differences do you know, like, culturally in dance, like, that are different yeah. overseas maybe as opposed to here? Um, well, you know, a lot of times then, say, New, New, New Zealand, for uh -huh. instance, you have, like, the Māori culture, you have this like very traditional dance and they use that to infuse it into more contemporary moments. So like us, we've been, you know, hitting the yi, oh, been like hi. doing, you know, bankhead bounce. So it's like, it's really cool because we still, as you know, black Americans in the South, find ways to bring our culture mm -hmm. into the movement. So I love it because when I go to London, when I'm in Berlin, they're like, oh, you're from Atlanta. Oh, like y'all right? are cool. Like this is, you know, so it, it is a, it's always an equal exchange mm -hmm. of ideas and and creativity. I love that. Yeah. And so, like, I'm curious, and you can be mm -hmm. as transparent as possible, like, <clears throat> what does the, I would say, dance world even mm -hmm. think about women's sports? Like, you know mm -hmm. how we're trying to bring more eyes and stuff? I feel like, like, what were your thoughts before you started with the dream? Did you know about yeah. us? What did you think about us? I knew. Okay. I knew because okay. I used to go to the games when Shamia was, like, <laughs> announcing and doing all these things. And I've always supported the dream. I've always supported the idea of equity in all things for all people. And so I think what the Atlanta Dream has an opportunity to do and what you've done since you've been here in this city is make dreams come true. You I've seen our I, I mean it's the Okay. <laughs> and I wouldn't be saying it if it was a lie. Like I've had friends who are, you know, artists coming up who've been able to sing the an anthem or like mm -hmm. perform or just be able to come to the game and feel special, feel a part of a family. And I think that's what the Atlanta Dream does and it sets a stage that's for so everybody cool. to see how powerful equity is on the court off the court and in our everyday lives like Man, seriously I love that it's crazy and so I'm I'm curious like okay now you got a hold of the dance team mm -hmm. we're telling you to elevate you're basically a coach now yeah Okay, so you the coach of our, like, I'm you know what I'm saying, Vera's the GM, yes. we got three coaches, yes. okay? Yes. What What's your philosophies, like, yeah. how are you going to get us into shape? Because, okay, like, I know in sports, I'm going to be like, listen, I'm going to drill the fundamentals, yes. I'm going to make sure, but, like, in dancing, mm -hmm. like, how are you going to ensure that we have elevated the dream? Yeah, my practice, I use something that I call the creative equation. What, Identity that? plus inspiration equals innovation. So I'll be tapping into the dancers, getting to know them, getting to know where they're from. Like, are you from the house scene? Are you from Chicago? Are you from LA? And how we can bring that identity into the inspiration and that will bring the oh, innovation. Yes. That is the elevation okay. that you are asking for. You sound for. like you flowed a little bit. You the know, innovation of the elevation and the, okay. Because that's it. I feel like we've been doing this. You've been seeing people dance on courts for years. Right. How do we elevate from that? Yes. Basically? And yeah. what we do here is make dreams come true. And so I want to really get to know those dancers and know like when you were in your bedroom at eight years old, what inspired you? Got you. And I want to bring that to the court and put it into the routines that we're doing. Got you. So I'm going to end with one thing because I want to get your thoughts. When mm -hmm. you were interviewing for this job, yes. I was on the call, yes. you know, I was mm -hmm. listening in, and you said something interesting. They said, why do you want to work here? And you was like, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I yeah. feel like this is the right time. Yeah. I feel like this is the right team. Yeah. This is the right situation. For sure. That's a really crazy thing to say on an interview that you ended up getting off. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I mean, I just distinctly remember yeah. you saying that like, huh, like when somebody asked you, why should you, mm -hmm. you know, want to work for the dream? So what made you like, what made you feel like everything was aligning that this was the situation to align with? Two weeks prior, yeah, two weeks prior, my dad DM'd me um, a video of a dance team for an NBA team. And um, he was like, you need to be doing this. Like, this is what you should be doing. And just the evolution of me and my father's relationship around dance specifically. Like I said, I grew up here. My sisters used to take dance mm -hmm. at College Park Rec, and I used to sit outside because I wasn't allowed to. Oh, because you're a boy. Uh-huh, because I'm a boy. Right. Yeah, and so when I talk about equity and I talk about equity on the court and in the world, it's really important because I feel like it goes both ways. And so when I got the email from Dan to interview, uh -huh. 
two weeks after my dad had sent me that video, I was like, oh, this is in flow. And for you all to be in my hometown, um, next week will be my 20 year um, from graduating from Tri-Cities High School, right around <laughs> the corner. Bad. So you know what I mean? I feel like this moment is me kind of coming back home. And I just live like right up the highway. It's but so crazy. it's me coming back home. And my nephew was just born at the top of April. So wow. it gives me also an opportunity to create a new legacy in my city. So I'm excited. That's crazy. Well, yeah. welcome home. Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to the Dream Man. Yes. Thank you, Victor, for joining us Thank here. You for having Listen, I told y'all it was popping. And now to finish out our whole choreography team, we have, and listen, I'm telling you, we came out swinging with the Atlanta Dream. We have Keith Wilder Jr. And you may know his daddy and his uncle from the group Heat Wave. Yes, him. Well, he's also, he can sing a little bit too, but right here, he's leading our group, our ATL Hype Squad. It's my guy, Keith Wilder Jr. My name is Keith Wilder, K-E-I-T-H-W-I-L-D-E-R. Junior, because it's important to me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a junior? Yeah, my dad, um, he was a senior, and back in like the 70s, 80s, like the song Always and Forever and Boogie Nights, yeah. that's my dad. Always so, and Forever. So that's okay. my uncle singing that song. And then Shut Boogie, up! And so Boogie Nights is my dad. So they were the two lead singers of the group. So at the age of two, my dad was like, yeah, you're touring with us. Okay. Yeah, so, so wait, we're going to get all in to it. Okay, <laughs> Keith Wilder, the junior. Junior. Okay, you know? not the second. It's, yeah, it's junior. Just junior. Just junior. Yeah. Okay, so clearly you come from a life of entertainment. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, so what is that like? Tour that young? Like, um, what? It's very fun. Yeah. It, like, there was no stress about performing or dancing. It was like, you know, work with dad. So he, he's <laughs> on stage. One song, I, it was always Groove Line. That was my song. Uh-huh. It got to the part, he would look on the side of the stage. He'd be like, all right, come on now. And I would just go on freestyle, go right back off stage. That's and, crazy. Yeah. So since two years old till about 16, when I started pursuing music, then I opened up for Heat Wave, and that was even bigger. Um, but no, yeah, so sir. Okay, so we're going to get so <laughs> When you was going out there, you was cutting a rug, right? You was dancing when oh. it first started, but then you started to open, to yeah, open to and sing, music. or what? Yeah, I was singing. I uh, tried to rap, but rapping wasn't my thing. But wasn't your thing? <laughs> oh, you know, how did you find out that it wasn't your thing? Um, <laughs> When you start letting people hear it, and they're like... <laughs> Hey, you got some vocals, but this rap thing. Yeah, everybody ain't Drake. Okay? You're like, you know, I don't think your metaphors are metaphors. <laughs> okay, so you stayed in your lane. I stayed in my lane. And you're yeah. a singer. And then, you know, it wasn't. I just packed forth, even more. I was working with like Trey Song's producers and Neo's wow. producers, so I was really in the camp. That's what's up. Um, but wasn't paying the bills. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine was like, well, I know a dance studio that's looking for a hip hop teacher. And I was like, I guess I'll try it. <laughs> Eight years, nine years down the road, I'm doing this, choreographing for Genuine, um, you know, just touring and doing all the but good stuff. Is he okay? I thought he just fell off he of fine. his. Is he okay? He's fine. But, but you didn't choreograph that part. No, nah, no. Nah, Who book, told him to he, jump off the stage? Well, what? He didn't book us for the show. Oh, okay. So we would have been there to <laughs> catch him. <laughs> we weren't even told to be there, so okay. that was all him. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, but now you have a, a real, like, you've had a career, but you have a career in multiple things, but you're here with the Atlanta Dream. Yeah. Like, what made you want to become a part of the Dream? Like, what made you even want to? So, court, like, sports, that's mm -hmm. all new to me. Um, but I'm around a bunch of people who do choreography and such, and they've been in the sports realm. And I've always been interested. I've always been like, this is just a different field that I think I could bring stage to the court. Oh, I like you that. You know, um, what the Knicks dancers are doing is a whole nother level. And I'm like, they can't be the only state with five dancers. So, you know, like. <laughs> Let's go! And we're Atlanta, so we gotta do something. Thank you. You know, so if this was my chance to at least try, I'm going full force. I like, love that. Yeah, man, I I'm love ready that. for it. And then, but what about you're also, okay, having a famous dad. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people have a famous dad <laughs> that tastes them on tour, but what is life growing like becoming your own person? Um, You would think it's that extra foot in the door that's like, I can just say my dad's so-and-so, and, -so and uh -huh. I get, it doesn't work that way. Nepotism don't work yeah, that way? Yeah, they don't work that way. Sometimes, <laughs> especially when I was doing music, it almost hurt me, because they were kind of like, my bad. They were kind of like, um, oh, well, we know Heat Wave, so what yeah. you got? And so there's already gotcha. a bar. They're already measuring you, too. Yeah, so sometimes they'd be like, okay, we know where you're coming from. Or sometimes it's like, 
Nah, if you're a heat wave, you gotta come correct. Both helped me grow though. Like oh, I needed I like to be shut down some doors and then I also needed that. No, no, you do have it. So both things in my journey, it led to where I am today and I couldn't be even more happy about it. I love that. All right, last question. What was it? We're almost time to, okay, okay. last question because I'm like, I could talk to you forever because <laughs> I love it, but what keeps you going and motivated? You know, like in a mm -hmm. sport, in entertainment business, there's some highs and there's right. a lot of lows though. People mm -hmm. get to see your highs. Like you sitting here with, with me and it's great because yeah. you're a choreographer for the Atlanta Dream, but what gets you through those lows? Um, the people that we're dancing and performing for. Like, I think in the industry, everyone has a like-minded goal. We're all getting to the top. Mm -hmm. We still need those other people. What does that mean? Like, we gotta uh, affect other people. We're reaching out. I think the stage taught me, like, yeah, you can perform, but if the audience isn't captivated, you're just emotion on stage that they can just be like, okay, I can go on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, so eye contact is grabbing the audience. That's what keeps me going. The reason of why I started performing in the first place, you Love know? Love it. Um, so that helps me through the highs and lows. It's not just about my goals or my career or my milestones. It's the people who are watching me, that child's first nutcracker or whatever, if I'm on the stage, I gotta make sure they wanna come back and see another show. Love and not that. being like, ugh, that one dancer ruined it for me. I don't wanna, <laughs> you know, like no one wants to carry that. Right. So that's what keeps me going. Well, keep going, man. I hey, appreciate listen, you joining you so the much. dream and joining yes. me here on Montgomery & Always. Go. <laughs> Coming up after the break, the crew and I are going to discuss 50 years of hip-hop. We want to talk about all the evolution of it. We're going to get into it. here and I mean we got a full house it's lit all right so you know our normal crew Serena Snook and Cole we got Roy Juju Gotti you on the phone with us you calling in yes sir we in the I'm building let's go and then you guys all right so we have a special guest because we have a new producer on our show his name is Jeff Bezoy and I love him he's a creative he's already pulled up to a dream game to chop it up with us today we are going to discuss hip-hop just in general but we're going to discuss just things that's changed over time what's going on right now how things are still a snook hype everybody got hype when we started talking about hip-hop don't stop pop that all right i digress i digress but we're gonna get into it because hip-hop is like part of the culture it goes hand in hand so my first thing is like how have y'all well actually let me do a little stat for you guys that jeff just so nicely provided me that Every year, usually we have 10 albums that hit number one in the billboards. Just, you know, give or take. This year, we didn't have the first number one album hit the billboards number one until July 10th, as reported by Billboard. So first, I want to ask, why do y'all think that is that every year we usually get around 10? But this year in 2023, there was only the first number one by Little Uzi Vert. It was his pink tape. And so, like, what do y'all think the reason for that is? Like, let me just toss it out there. One of the first issues is uh, Billboard finally uh, allowed the, the re-release of the bundles, which is allowing artists to sell their merch as well as their, their album at one time. So you can buy a little Uzi t-shirt and get the album. Or you can buy a Travis Scott album or some shoes and get the album. You feel me? And they count those as one actual sale. So I feel like I that's do. one of the factors. Jeff, what you think, brother? The bundles definitely play into it. I think more poorly than just that. I think that rap music in of itself is so monumental. It's something that started in the Bronx and it's literally gone global. And so like every genre has literally taken from hip hop, right? If you go into Latin music, you look at reggaeton, you will hear a lot of rap influence into it. You hear EDM and techno stuff. They take from rap songs and they remix them and they turn into these incredible songs that they play in Ibiza for people to get lit. And so what I think is that a lot of folks have traditionally gone to hip hop for lyricism or for just like club bangers, what have you, not have different access of getting to rap and getting into hip hop without actually having to be listening to these songs. So I think that's something that's really important that's changed. I also think that streaming has changed. Like the way that you listen to music, like 
back when I was growing up, you know, I'm the young, probably one of the youngest one on the show. I'm turning 30 next year. But, you know, I was listening, I was listening to the radio like most of us are listening to no, the radio. No, you were so. not. We were creating was, our own CD. Nah. So was I. We, I had my wear. We were mixed tapes. I had mixed tapes. Hey, y'all ain't hear that boy say, reggaeton. Roll them R's. What you think, babe? I mean, y'all are in the music industry. We basically have the music industry talking to us. If y'all don't know, Juju's an artist. You can check out his music. He has music on Apple Music, everything. Baby, what you think? Well, first of all, I always tell Renee this. I always use a term like music has changed into like fast food a little bit. It's almost like it fills you up for a little bit, but it doesn't really last that long. You know, I think that a lot of songs now, they might be cool for like uh, maybe a month or two, but songs back then, they would stay with you. I remember just like listening to music in New York back, maybe even like the early 2000s when Murder Inc., Terror Squad, all those people in New York, you know, like uh, that, those songs. I still listen to them today. Exactly. But I think that with the evolution of social media, TikTok, everything has to be like what's current, what's now, what's going to, you know, resonate with the influencers and for content and this and that. And so it's always like a wave that people have to ride. But the thing with waves and fads is that they go away. They don't last. So if you're always trying to ride that wave, you know, like it's not going to be sustainable. But like artists like Jay-Z, people from like back in the day that have you know, like Nas, they have a, a style that they stick with and it's, it's been proven to withstand the test of time where we listen to them now, even their new songs. It kind of has like a little bit of that old school flow a little bit that we like. But I think I think it's social media. That's interesting because we <laughs> just to that point, Little Uzi Vert's Pink Tape. What's the name of his song, Jeff? Um, but I, I just want to rock. I just want to rock. Y'all got to know that. I mean, to that exact point, the song that actually did hop up on number one had a song on there that went absolutely bonkers on social media. That TikTok it still rocks like in arenas, gyms, people still as soon as they hear it. They know. You got any thoughts on it, Snooker Booker? Because she said, when you say 50 years of hip hop, you was at the beginning, weren't you? Oh, yeah. When we talk about our artists in a few minutes, I'll <laughs> tell you about it. But at any rate, one of the things I think that uh, I just want to talk about rap in general, you know, rap has gotten a bad rap because I guess of the uh, vocabulary and the vernacular that we use in the songs, the lyrics and all of that, where to me, it's the same as country. You know, country songs tell a story and, you know, you can't help, but I like a lot of country because I like the stories and rap tells a story too, but the story that rap tells is not one that's so nice and sweet. And, you know, I didn't just take my dad's red truck down the street and all of that. <laughs> Some of the times people are offended by knowing actually what the rap song is telling you what's going on in the street. But no, you anyway. know, that's a good point, Snook, because when you think about country music, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, there's such great storytellers and country music will tell uh, the greatest story ever. I'm like, have you not heard Jay-Z's song cry? I mean, <laughs> he talked about two celebrities. Is I'm assuming he talking about Beyonce, but he said in We Ain't We, it's me and her because what she prefers over me is work. And that's where we defer. I'm like, he, that man is crying on the song. He's telling a story. But Snook, to your point, their Bonnie and Clyde love may not be as cute as when Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like. I got to interrupt you one second. That's not song cry. That's what is one, it? lost one. Lost, Lost one. Thank you, Juju. Okay. I told you we got the real music. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So we lost one. Yeah, like all the other ones. Yes. Like, so I just think that, Snook, that's a really good point. It's just and, maybe the story people are telling might not right. be. And see, back in the day, people, I, I used to teach on a college campus and I always knew all the songs. And they said, oh, well, why do you know the songs? I said, because I have kids. I have to listen to the songs so I know what my kids are into out in the streets and stuff, what's going on <laughs> out there. So I've always listened That's to- That's a uh, fact, because so where you wake up, I woke up. In my new Bugatti. Huh? Yeah, baby, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, old school lyrics have always been there, though. Yeah, <laughs> old school lyrics up. got a couple. Yeah, I pulled up to the scene with my ceiling missing. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, yo, I love it. We, we just need it. to have Snook just reading these lyrics. That's right. I feel like that's a whole segment in itself. Oh, thoughts on, on hip hop. Well, I think like everyone else is saying, I think that the Internet has changed it before we waited 
for songs and albums to be dropped, to be released. Like life did not move until the new <laughs> album came out. Once it did came out, it sold out basically. So we only had a couple of different avenues in which to get the music. So everyone held tight to every single album that came out, whether they were good or bad. Because I think a lot of sometimes the music that we thought was so good, it was just because that's all we had access to. And so we had some good ones. We had some bad ones. But because we were waiting for the next greatest thing, you listen to every album to see if it was the next greatest thing. Whereas now kids are making their own music. Like there are 12 year olds in their backyard Facts. making their own music. They're making their own lyrics. They're making their own sounds and they're doing their own Shout dances. So, so it's so watered down to the point where why do we have to give all of our thought time and process to just this one album that just came out when I know my sons they'll hear somebody they go oh he's big I'm like he's big where but the thing is, <laughs> is that there's so many different ways That's to hear true. music that just because I haven't heard them on the radio or just because I haven't heard about doesn't mean that they're not huge on the internet or they're no, not. That's no. a good point because so, Junior, yeah. we were just looking up Spotify listens. Like my son is a big fan of Jid. We were just looking up Spotify listens and he thought like J.I.D. He thought that he was like an underground artist until he saw that he got like 20 million hours right. per month of Spotify listeners. And then you start yeah. to realize like, oh no, these people are doing numbers. And it's like, you may not know them because I feel this way quite often where I'm calling a game or for OTE or I'm doing, and then everybody starts going crazy when somebody's walking in the arena and I might even be on air and they're like, oh yeah, you know, the crowd. And I'm looking around at like, I'm trying to see the person. I'm like, who is that? That they're going crazy over? Right. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Right. <laughs> He's right. the best basketball influencer. I'm like, AJ okay. Green. Uh, yes, I had okay. that same experience. Oh, so I think it's the same with music in a sense yeah. of like, I there was an artist thing. I wish I remembered her name, but she said like even her people were telling her like you need to make songs that are easily digestible for social media. You have to create a dance. Baby Tate had to redo her dance because they said her dance was too hard the first time, and that might not help the album sell, the song sell. And it's like, wow. This well, is and, that, and another mm. part, another piece or layer to that is, you know, it used to be that. If people disagree with albums, they had disc tapes. They had underground <laughs> disc tapes. Talk and about you, it. That's yeah, so you had to. Culture. So you right, you had to find out like, oh, they have a disc tape. Then you had to find out who had a disc tape because it wasn't played on the inter- I mean, on the radio. It wasn't played. It wasn't like a, a tape. So there was like these underground mixtapes that were actually out there too. And then you heard the disses. Now people stitch a disc. They can go on TikTok and stitch a diss to a song in real time. So it's like you can't even, you know what I'm saying? Like where all the focus was on this one diss tape, you got, again, 12 year olds who were doing a diss stitch to a song that's on TikTok. Back to back. So it's like back in the day, we had people like kids who rapped and they would have a song and they would answer the song like, but it was a tape. Now you have kids who are answering songs on the internet and millions of people can see it. It could go viral. It could be great. So I think it's just no, watered true. down it's our music different. so much that and we, we don't have, have quick, to focus. attention span and all yes, of that. But this so. doesn't answer the question of, and I want to know from you guys, why don't people dance no more then? Like, I'm just <laughs> curious. I don't know if y'all saw, but there was a club and there they said that this is only for this particular club, but instead of like dancing, they have bottle wars where they literally oh. take the most expensive Ooh. bottles that you can find and they buy them and they have wars where they pour it out in front of each other and like, hey, I got more money than you type of, that's what was happening in the actual club. That was like, created by the club. Dumbest thing created by the club. That was race. created by the club. They said, let's have a bottle battle <laughs> and let's show how much money, who's who's winning by that? Your the, club is winning. the club is winning. The club is winning. Playing with house money. And you know what? <laughs> That's why we have such a broke down society today. Mm. <laughs> Drink the liquor. Drink it. Talk about it, Mama Snook. Talk about it. It used to be that you don't waste it. You're just sitting around. You're doing nothing. You don't. You go to work. You sit down. You do nothing. You come home. You're lazy. You sit down. You do nothing. Then you go out. At least if when you used to go out to the bar, you at least get up and get a good sweat on or something. <laughs> you know? Now you go into the bar. You're just sitting there too. That's why everybody's in such bad Shots shape. fired at Roy. We, we, we losing recipes. Hey, I'm in shape, all right? I used to have a six-pack. That's one pack. It's a half-pack, actually. Oh, I'm 
<laughs> yeah, but they're not oh. dancing. They're not dancing because, first of all, we, I, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of the creativity is just if you can bounce it. If it hey, can bounce, that's the creativity. Where we, it's nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with the bounce, but at least we had some other moves to go with it. That was like the shock factor when you could bounce. You actually could actually do the dances, but now. The creators aren't even dancing. Like Salt and Pepper had a dance. There was a whole bunch of people who had their own dances with their music. So you knew, like, that when that song came on, everybody was doing that dance. But now it's not even that. It's just like, they're not even doing two steps no more. I think that is the most <laughs> basic principle, universal black dance. It don't matter if you're African, African American, Afro Latino. It don't matter what beat is underneath it, if it's a hard drum, a soft drum, or a snare, you can always hit a two-step. And we're not even two-stepping in a club no more. That, what, what, are they doing? Step, what are they doing? I blame it on the arts. We don't have arts in schools. Kids don't learn how to move to music. They don't know how to groove to music. They don't feel the music. And since now, these days, everything is like a club techno. You can't catch that beat. If you can't catch that beat, you can't, catch you a can't beat. dance. Mm-mm. You can't dance because it's so I, fast. Listen, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's a different world. What were you going to say, babe? Oh no! I mean, I was I actually forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. great. That's awesome. Same old two step. Same old two step. I was going to say the thing about <laughs> dancing and being at the clubs that I think has like my thoughts on why people don't dance as much anymore because I remember, and I'm just going to say it, Snook, in our heathen days when we was dancing and sweating to your point, and we was twerking that monkey, and it was a lot of body contact, and it was a lot of sweat, (laughs) and it was a lot of closeness. People don't even like to be close no more ever since the pandemic. Mm. I'm not even being for real, but think about an environment where that's you a lie, ever- Renee. These people are in here squeezing <laughs> past each other to pack in these clubs to pour out liquor. They're fine. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I just feel like a lot. Well, no, saying, no, no. That is a, a lot of false. And if, there's this germ factor. People I don't think that's that stopped Renee from going to the that's club. That's what stopped you. If you even think about it, think about the concerts. Beyonce is selling out. Was, People yeah, are okay that, with yeah. being back to back, side to side. At the cl- I went to Listen. Beyonce's concert and we was in Club Renaissance. I know the area y'all are talking about because otherwise it would be stadium seating. We were down in Club renaissance you are okay, not the Jeff, everyday you people you are not you are not everyday people you're not everyday Excuse people me. everyday people basically social distancing we were there was there was space for me Renee, and, me and serena that, we, let me say something you go to a club in baltimore place. on a holiday weekend you were in with us even when we were down in new orleans these people were rubbed up against each other to get through a crowd they didn't care who had what <laughs> what time of day everybody was hot mm-hmm. and sweating mm-hmm. so okay, people don't care about theory. that okay. no that theory is busted nah, I, I think the theory i think the theory is for real i think that younger millennials ruined the whole game we got this like poser culture it's just like yo, i'm gonna go to the club and be seen Oh, they see me? I bet I'm mm. clean. I got the latest Nike. They got the latest Jordans. It, it, we lost recipes as it came to like, I go to the club. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to listen to the flyest music. It's going to be amazing. Now everyone just wants to snap some photos, be in VIP. That's what the culture emerged into. Yes. It emerged into, I need to be in VIP. I need to be seen so other folks can know that I'm on. And right. this is men and lady alike. Well, oh, we're and, and oh, back in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ironic so too. <laughs> it's ironic because people are making this this content to to dance online. It's like they literally making dance content, and then when they, when you go to the clubs, you don't people don't dance. They're not I dancing. Don't, I don't get it. It's like they, they, really only, they only they right. only make the all they do is that they She's only right. make the dances to fit in a vertical sixteen by nine screen. Or you they can, dance you for can't five go seconds. Outside those dimensions. Or, or they dance they, for five seconds. And or they dance. I ain't gonna do it. Do it for the. I ain't gonna do or it. Or they dance <laughs> in every other place other than a the club. They dance at the food court. They dance at yeah, school. They dance out the middle of the street. They we, dance mm, at the mall. They, they dance while they get arrested. They dancing everywhere. Dang, Roy, for real? Seriously. <laughs> you ain't seen all Seriously. videos of these girls over here twerking while they're getting arrested? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that. That was yes. lit. They're doing that, that downtown Minneapolis, too. They're twerking see, on That's my point. Mm-hmm. They don't want to dance in the club. You just want to dance everywhere else that you, people, you shouldn't be dancing. You shouldn't be in the Waffle House dancing. You shouldn't be dancing <laughs> on tables. In, because the thing is, is that if you want to go, and these are the same people that are in the club. Don't let them t- get twisted. They act <laughs> like they're not in the club. They made that video of them dancing in the Waffle House because they knew it was going to go viral. But then when they go to places 
it, until it, somebody should be dancing. Some syrup on them. They, right, until <laughs> it starts a fight yeah. breaks out. Right, uh. Until the fight breaks out. But then you go to places like the club and then you don't want to dance. It's just I, that I think that's the culture. The culture is shock value. I think I think shock I have a theory. The culture theory. is lazy. That's the culture. It's lazy. What's, what's your theory, babe? Jeff kind of triggered me when he said that everybody wants to be in VIP. I'm one of those people that I don't like to go to the club if I'm not in VIP. But the only reason for that is because there's nowhere to sit. Before, I remember, <laughs> I remember really? when we used to, I couldn't wait to grow up to go to the club so I could dance, right? And then when I when we used to go to the teen clubs, there used to be tables and, and, and seats for people to sit on. And then when I finally got old enough to go to the clubs, Everything that like it took it was like they took the tables away, the seats away. Nobody That's could true. sit. You had That's to pay nice. for the tables. So then I think that the theory, my theory is that since they took away the tables and then people's feet hurt when they dance. So then maybe they just gotta stand there and not dance too much and they don't got nowhere to sit. But but people I, on yeah, VIP people, don't even I, be dancing. They don't even dance in VIP. Oh, they're pulling yeah, out the, the lamest VIP. people in the club being <laughs> VIP. Just a, 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 a I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean but they be dancing in their section though. They be dancing in their section. But I'm saying but then you have, y'all have never been to the club with a group of girls. It's a twerk fest in there. <laughs> it's the best because, you know, like for me, it's just I'm going to just be real. It's like I'm a girl. I just happen to like girls. And if I'm in a club where all of us are girls, usually they all just twerk with each other. And if I'm there, hey, but I'm just saying like to that point, Snook, when y'all was older, y'all's feet didn't hurt because I know at the Freak Nick, y'all was the nastiest things walking. Yeah, our feet hurt. That's why we took our <laughs> shoes off and put them on the table and we danced barefoot. That's right. But there are no more tables. They took away the tables. Well, the reason why I took tables, table no, no, let's, let's be real. They used to tables, dance on the tables. No, tables were getting in the way. That was the first problem. Tables were getting in the way. You coun't get that many, many people, people in there, in there. So with true. tables in the way. So you can get rid of the tables. Them. You put them in the VIPs. People pay more money for the VIP. You got more people in the middle of the club where you could have people and then you don't have people dance drunk dancing on Tables falling off and, and the club getting shut down. So all it was, right. it's think, all about I capitalism. That, that sounds like <laughs> Roy said, and Roy, what is it all about? Capitalism. That's it. That's it. That's so now I want to do one thing before we end this whole thing. I want to go around the horn and ask everybody that's commented on this: when is the last time you've been in a club? I just just think on it for a second. Just think on it. Has it been less than five years, more than five years? I mean, because I'm just going to throw this out there. We talk about the club. I'm just so let's I'm getting start. ready to go right now. I'm loving that cold space. You're really thinking like the club. The club. So Snookabooker, let's start. Let's start. Let's start with you, Snook. Was the last time um, you've been to the club? Oh, it's been a, almost a year. What? Okay. A year. That's it. What club you was at last year? Uh, the Empty Glass. That's a real club. Wait, when, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, it would be an Empty cl- Glass <laughs> if I was there. She's like, what put mom yeah. at the club? confused, but okay. This might be interesting if Snook has been the most recent. Oh, uh, Cole, God. Cole, do you remember the last Can time? Y'all come back to me, please. I'll come back to Cole. <laughs> Baby, when the last time you was up in the club? 2019, before the pandemic. <laughs> I, I told y'all my theory. All right, but I'll leave it there. Jeff, when's the last time you've been in the club? Last time I was in a proper club, no rooftop, no nothing, was July. I was in Brooklyn, and they had this, like, Afro club. It was a fire. Wait, what do you mean no rooftop? No right, I'm like, no well, rooftop. Well, the thing is, like, it depends. Like, are we saying a club is, like, a closed space, no windows, no nothing? Are we including rooftops? In, I'm including, in, I mean, I never knew a club that was on the rooftop. That sounds like a party, but. I mean, it is more of a party, but it has kind of a clubbish vibe. Right. Okay. So I mean, was out, you was outside. I'll be outside. I'm outside often. I'm outside often. That's why I have respect. Respect. Going back. You okay. Know, well, my proper well, club was Jeff Lee July. Incredible okay. experience out in Brooklyn. Since Jeff said that, then we have to back it up because Serena, you were on the boat ride and you were yeah. on the top deck. Jeff. Okay, no, 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 we, no, We've no, been no. partying since then. Why just haven't been to a club? I gotta come in too. I gotta come in one, one little quick. I'm sorry to come in like this, but. People don't dance no more because they're scary. They they punk. They sissified. They only they talk about their it. phone all day and don't know how to act. The they lazy. If you ever see me in a club, I promise to God, I'll never steal. I dance in the face of gangsters. You feel me? <laughs> 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 my queen, Queen Serena. I understand you are. Your word is bond. 
But in July, me and you went to the club. Yeah, and I you was know, just gonna back, say, I, yes, I, I ain't gonna yes. say I'm, I'm the only person dancing in that. Oh, no. mm. no, yes, mm. I can attest to that. Me and Juju, we had a lot of fun at that party. I mean, but that's what we went to parties, but I'm talking about clubs. But yeah, that that was we so were y'all was Uber outside. Was drunk. That's a club. <laughs> So they no, was, so had, that was, was that was so much fun. Me and and people we were dancing the whole time. Yeah, oh. people were dancing. Yeah. I okay. dance in the face of gangsters. It's the title of this episode. <laughs> I oh. dance in the face of gangsters. Roy, That's when's hard. the last time you danced in the face of a gangster? Uh, it was uh, well, uh, it was about <laughs> probably four years ago it's at crazy. the Fountain Blue. Ooh, ironically, Fountain Blue, Miami. Ooh. Yes, at the Fountain. Ironically, for a church event. Okay, oh, wait wow. a minute. Not y'all twerking for uh, Jesus. What, was he shouting? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of shouting uh, for <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. for even, Jesus. Even Claire was there. Claire no. was there as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah she was. Count. That doesn't count. That it does count. That's a club, isn't it? No. That's a club, isn't it? What gangster was in there? I know, was there a Judas in the house or something? What, what gangster was in <laughs> there? Nah, Judas was in the The devil was in there. <laughs> no, the devil was in there. No, 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 no. That gangster was oh, going my. to prison. He's Man, in prison listen, right now. We out of here, y'all. We apparently, I ain't know half the crew is outside. Oh, well, let, 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 me, let me say, I'm not outside. Let me tell you, I have not been. <laughs> this is so ago. sad. Uh, well, let me tell you, I have graduated from, I have graduated from clubs to, in Baltimore. It's lounges. So it's a oh, lot yeah, of yeah, lounges. It's not, yeah. it's not necessarily that my people are in clubs. As a matter of fact, if we find out it's a club and we pull up, we're like, oh, no. This we, ain't for us. Turn around and this is not for us because we have different goals in life and not one of them is, ends up in jail at night. So, um, <laughs> So I don't think that I've been to a club. I mean, if we're going to count it, that rooftop on the boat on the water. I was going to say, yeah, the we last party time that day, that was that we party. I party <laughs> in a club-like yeah, we setting because I don't have patience no time. I was like, West Virginia people know how to party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we was at the HBCU homecoming. <laughs> so obvious reasons why it was turned up. But yeah, we was on the boat. We was, they was party walking and they had to get on the mic. Like you guys, y'all do realize that we are on water. Calm yeah, down. Cause y'all don't, down. if y'all don't know the cues was like, it was just oh, a whole scene. It, they was, mm -hmm. on was a lot of stomping yeah. going on, a lot of stomping. <laughs> on a boat, Rocking but yeah. The boat. So that I guess the crazy. crew is outside basically. The crew is outside. We're celebrating 50 years of hip hop. Like I said, if you are in Atlanta, New York, that is the beginnings of hip hop and all of those things. So it's exciting times. Stream some hip hop. Push them to number one when them bundles come by them. Don't stop, pop that don't. All right, I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm telling you right now, the reason people don't dance, you start playing a little bit of them things that they was playing at Freak Neek, okay? That music that they was playing, them songs where we didn't even know what we was singing, but we was singing some Wally stuff, like, ooh, chee Wally Wally, ooh, chee bang bang. I, I was singing it, I know every word right now to this day, all right? I don't really go to the clubs anymore. People don't really dance no more, all they do is this. But I'll just say, I think that people should dance more. Sorry guys, I like music a lot, so this was fun for me. But I do think that people should dance more, have more fun, let go a little bit more. Roy said he just wanna be at the bar with a drink. Don't be that guy at the bar with a drink, have fun. Having fun is a generational thing, and drinks too. All right, I'll see y'all.